0: The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Welcome to the Unfiltered podcast. If you have experienced narcissistic abuse, you are in the right place. Our mission is to help you understand the abuse you have experienced, support you through your healing journey, and to help you develop healthy relationships. I am your host, Juliana Aiken, and in today's episode, I'm interviewing Amanda Bailey. Amanda is a mental health therapist and coach who helps people heal from the effects of destructive relationships, teaching them to rebuild trust in themselves and handle difficult dynamics with confidence. She is based in Portland, Maine, but works with clients online throughout the US as well as internationally. Today's episode will focus on the complex sibling relationships within a narcissistic family dynamic. Let's get started. How should I approach or explain to my sibling who thinks that our family is totally healthy, that our parent is narcissistic, and that our upbringing wasn't healthy?
1: Mm -hmm. This is a great question first piece is two siblings can have vastly different experiences of the fam- same family of origin so approaching it as such um that it can literally feel like oh my where was my sibling because this was my experience and this was their experience so i just want to acknowledge that um and the first piece i think is to really do your own work on getting your own validation around your experience in the narcissistic family dynamic. Because when you're approaching your sibling, you're, you're not going to seek validation for them from them because they're, they might invalidate your experience. So really like doing the work around, this was my experience. It's valid. I have a community or a therapist or friends that I can turn to that can be like, yeah, that, that wasn't okay. Um, Another piece is you're going to expect your sibling to do what they have always done in your relationship. So for example, if your sibling usually laughs things off and diminishes it, like, yeah, no big deal. That wasn't a big deal. Expect that behavior. So, kind of mentally prepare yourself before you have the conversation with them that I've seen these three behaviors in the past when I've tried to approach the subject. Chances are I'm going to see those three behaviors again. So, whether it could be gaslighting, it could be diminishing or deflecting, it could be shutting down, right? All of those are kind of defenses around the material. The good news is, and I think this is great, is that only one person in in a relationship has to change for the dynamic to shift entirely. So your sibling can still be like, believe what they believe, think what they think. But when you change your behavior and how you approach them, that will start to affect change in the relationship. Um, and a lot of this, you might not see it on the surface, but unconsciously, your sibling is tracking oh, I noticed that you've done something different. Usually, you might, you know, really try to persuade me to think what y- you believe, and you're not doing that this time. So they're tracking that unconsciously. Once they do that, they start to make a new map of you. They're like, "Oh, well, if this has changed, I wonder what else has." And they might listen up more more consciously. Um, and the biggest thing is, you try to show them what happened instead of tell them what happened. So a lot of times when we're intellectually talking about something, People just intellectually shut down. But if they see you in person, and that's why I recommend having these conversations either in person or over video chat, they can feel the vibe. They can hear the tone of your voice or see what's in your eyes, see your body language. Um So by you showing them that, their unconscious, again, is also tracking you and they can register like, oh, you were really affected by that. Um, So first piece is try to do it in person. Second piece is get consent. When you're approaching your sibling, you don't want to catch them off guard um, saying, hey, is it okay if we talk a little bit about our childhood? Or if we talk a little bit about what happened with mom, and at any point during the conversation, if they say, "I don't want to talk about this," honoring that because you really want to honor the boundaries in your relationship with your sibling, even if the two of you or you were raised in a system that did not respect boundaries. So just by modeling when you say no, I'm going to listen to it and honor it. You're 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 healing the relationship in a sense just by that taking that action um so in person get consent ground yourself um so and that looks different for everybody for me i need to go out in the woods and take a long walk You know, sometimes I suggest having a call or connect with a friend over text or, you know, just saying, I'm about to have this conversation with my sibling. And then after the conversation, reach out again to let them know how it went. Um, Doing something to get yourself into as calm a state as you possibly can, because you the last thing you want is your nervous system to be escalated and then your sibling's nervous system is escalated and then the two of you will probably, it will probably become adversarial instead of collaborative. I would also choose an example of something that happened to the both of you, if you can think of that. So for an example, it might be Do you remember when mom said, mom was really angry that night and she said, I hate you guys. I wish I never had kids. Wish you never were born. As you're saying that, you want to bring, you want to really bring to mind what that felt for you, like what that feels for you that she said that and show that to your sibling. So whether it's sadness or disgust or anger you want to kind of see if you can show your sibling that this is where we're going to do. We're going to expect them to do what they usually do. So they might just say like, Oh yeah, you know, mom, she's nuts, right? That's that's a, a lot of people just use that as a way to push it to the side or worse. They might say, yeah, I remember that. And you were the problem. You were the reason why she hated us. Right. scapegoating you again. Um, This is the place where you might go into a regression. And this happens when people do make moves on us, whether it's a narcissistic parent or a sibling who's engaging in narcissistic behavior. We start, when we regress, we start to lose functioning. So it's hard for us to think. It's hard for us to speak. Usually our common defenses pop up so for me like I have several I could dissociate or sometimes I feel really enraged and self-righteous and I want to yell at the person or I can go in like to teaching mode let me teach you exactly this intellectual thing that the person is completely not interested in so to kind of hold on to yourself, you wanna, again, ground. So some of the techniques I recommend people use are breathing, um, self-touch. So just like rubbing your hands, whatever you can do in the moment to kind of bring yourself back into your body. Like I have a rock sometimes that I use so I can feel the smoothness of the rock. It, It grounds me and brings me back into my body the more embodied I am, the better I can think. I can start to think more clearly. I can start to speak more clearly. It's great to know your regression. So know what happens to you. So when you start to feel it come on, you can try to get yourself back. Um, Rocking is also a good way or swaying is also a good way to bring yourself back. when you respond to your sibling you make a response from that grounded place so i encourage people when they're having these kinds of conversations leave lots of space uh it's also okay to stumble and stammer like and to be like uh what you said i'm i'm just feeling confused right now i call that broadcasting live so you're And I got that from another clinician. I can't remember who, but um, where you say what's going on the inside to the person you're talking to so they can know what's happening to you because they're interpreting your nonverbals as meaning something. So like if you look mad to them, you might just be confused, right? So if you're like, I'm just confused, I'm trying to understand what you said so being as vulnerable as you can ultimately they might they might take it in right and they might be like wow i i hear you or they might shut it down or they might you know turn against you if they're if it's if it's too hot you're going to move away from the conversation because nothing nothing really kind of gets accomplished in that escalated state. So if one or both of you are in that escalated state, giving it time and space to come back down. Um does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes and thank you so much those all those points that you said were like helpful, especially when you said that show them rather than just, you know, trying to Use your words and talk on a kind of intellectual level. Well, this all depends on the context and situation and who you are dealing with. But prepare to have you know those examples. You you recommended example where both of you were somehow involved. And oh, uh, what do you think? If if you can come up with examples where they were wronged or or treated badly, is it? if you start to talk about their experiences kind of, is that kind of a bad idea because it's their experiences and you shouldn't use them because you really, you weren't the one experiencing, you were just the one who saw what happened, but yeah. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. So that's, that's a a great follow-up. So say you have a memory of them uh, being, you know, punished, like being told, like, you need to go in your room and you need to sit there for the rest of the night after something had happened to them where maybe they were hurt, you know, but the parent was like, I can't stand the sight of you. Get to your room. And they were there all night. They didn't get dinner. It was, you know, a really potent memory. So you can say, hey, so I have this memory and kind of describe it. Do you also remember that happening, right? If they say no, it's kind of at a place where it's like they almost have to come around to that to get there, right? Whether through their own therapy or through just time. But if they do remember it, right? If they're like, oh, yeah, I do remember it. You can speak to, you can ask them, how was that for you? And listen to what they say. And then you can say, yeah, I, at the time I was mad at you because you upset dad. But now I see how damaging that was, you know, and that you were not to blame. It was not you. But in our family, it seemed like you were always blamed or you and I were always blamed, whatever the situation is. There's so much, again, there's so much healing in that place that can take place between siblings around re-narrating what happened. Because with narcissistic, narcissistic parents, they hold the narrative. They tell everyone what to think what to believe what to do so by you being open and curious with your sibling together it's like the two of you can kind of put the pieces back together the way reality was
0: Mm, yeah thank you so much for your answers to this question i think they were great and uh next we have How can I work through my anger and resentment towards my sibling who was the golden child in our narcissistic family of origin?
1: Yeah. Um, So, my first thought when I read this question was slowly, with patience and compassion for yourself. Um, And my heart goes out to children you know, in this situation, um, of course, you're going to feel resentment when your sibling was protected over you, valued over you, um, received more resources, attention, love, um, it triggers, it can trigger rage, resentment, fear, abandonment. And those things are hard for children to experience just once, let alone repeatedly. Um, So allowing yourself to feel the anger, the anger. And and in this case, I would, I call it righteous anger because sometimes I'm angry because, you know, I don't know, I dropped something on the floor. I don't know if that's really valid, but in this case, this is like, yeah, it makes absolute sense that you're angry. So honoring that and allowing yourself to feel that, um, and recognize that your resentment towards your sibling is a product of the narcissism. So it creates separation. It creates competition. It creates like it's, it's designed to do that, to pit people against each other. So once you're, you've felt the anger and really allowed yourself to feel that and to validate that, then you want to ask yourself, do I want to continue to be this dynamic that my parent or parents created by actively thinking thoughts about resenting my sibling? If the answer is yes, okay. Like you're at that place and honor that. There may come a time where you don't, where you're like, ah, uh, it doesn't work anymore to keep thinking these thoughts about them. So then ask yourself, what am What's underneath the anger? Why am I so mad? And many times that is grief, that is loss, that is abandonment, rejection. So feeling into those, allowing yourself to cry, to seek support. Um, the best way to improve your relationship with family members is to metabolize the emotions that the destructive behavior caused in you. Um, So feeling anger, feeling loss, feeling sadness, and then moving it the ways that you know how. So for anger, a lot of, I recommend heavy weightlifting or running or any type of movement, throwing rocks into the water Something that just air, like air boxing, you don't need a boxing class, just like punch the air. So moving it usually like explosive movements or being in nature, just, you know, being in a rainstorm or being in a wind, in a windy spot, like going to places where you can feel that power, um, and so other practices might help, too, like yoga or just any kind of gentle movement, whatever whatever feels best to your nervous system, do that.
0: Hey, I hope you are enjoying this episode right now. If you didn't know this already, our mission here at Unfiltered is to help people who have experienced narcissistic abuse understand the abuse they have experienced, support them through their healing journey, and to help them develop healthy relationships. We want to help as many people as possible, but the only way we can reach everyone is if you choose to share this episode. So if you have been getting value from our content, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with others. You could do this by sharing it with your online support groups, sending it to someone dealing with a narcissist, or even leaving a review. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the episode. Then we have how can I approach my sibling who has been treated differently on and unfairly by our narcissistic parent they were the scapegoat and i was the golden child and how how can i improve our relationship we are now adults and do not live at home anymore but we are not that close yeah um
1: so another great question i think first piece is again face to face if you can getting consent uh, you know um and honoring that and I also want to say if you were the golden child good for you for for seeing that it wasn't okay that you were placed in this position higher than your sibling and used as you were weaponized so it's it's great that is great to be able to see that um a lot of times in these destructive situations in order to maintain functioning in the family system we blind our mind blinds ourselves to the most disgusting behavior so we have to make it okay in order to function so if you're at the point where you're like oh it wasn't okay that i got all of that attention and my sibling was you know retaliated against that is great that you are able to get past that blind. Um, so again, going in slowly, recognizing the power differential that is set up in your relationship with your siblings. So usually siblings, if we just all factors neutral, you're on the same playing field. But in a narcissistic family, one sibling is elevated a month beyond the other, uh, above the other. So you want to be aware my sibling could be angry at me. My sibling could not want to talk to me. My sibling could shut down around me because they are frightened of what I will do. Um, So really grounding yourself when you're having this conversation with your sibling and practicing, not taking their responses personally. So if they shut down, okay, like that's, it's not about you. It's about what happened to them. And this is how they're protecting themselves in the moment. Um, if your sibling is able, if you say, you know, Hey, I'd love to talk about our, our family. And I just, I recognize that I was treated better than you were in the family system. And if they say, yeah, you were right. And, uh, and I remember that you also ganged up with them against me, right? So this is the place they might say something and confront you with something that in their memory happened in the past. The most important thing is not whose memory is correct. It's really attending to what your sibling is bringing to you in the moment. So, Saying something like, even if you don't remember it happening, right? If they're like, well, remember when we went to the movies and then this happened, you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Saying, okay, I don't remember that happening, but if that did, that was wrong. And I'm a, I'm sorry, and I apologize. So that way you're saying, if I did that, it wasn't okay. And so that way we're not turning it into a debate about what the the facts of, of the history um, and i think again also you want to with all of these situations you want to take care of yourself before and after you want to seek your own support and if your sibling like is like i really i don't want to talk about this or you know I'm not interested honoring that and you heal the relationship in the present. So you might say like, well, what'd you do this weekend and show them that you're interested and show them that you care and you respect their experience. Not every time do we have to go back and reprocess the past. It's really about kind of moving forward in the present. Um, yeah, but that it's, it's a tough situation.
0: Mm yeah thank you i really liked your point that we don't always have to go and dig all those painful stuff away especially if they give ours i mean especially when they say no i don't want to talk about it doesn't steal me like if it might feel to you like oh they don't want to kind of repair our relationship or make it better but that might not be the case that just you can still you know like you said try in the present different things that do not have to do with uh, digging the past and uh, processing it. So that was a great point. Thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, can a sibling relationship impact impact by a narcissistic parent be repaired? And what are some factors that may influence the potential for healing and growth in this situation?
1: I think absolutely 100%. I, you know, I always believe in the power of change. I think that's why I'm a therapist and a coach. It wouldn't make sense for me to do work if I was like, everyone's hopeless. So <laughs> even with the, the most like entrenched behaviors or the most difficult of relationships, I always believe there is a seed for change. Um, and with siblings, I do think there is a level of implicit trust that just happens just it's in each in. I also have a sibling, but in each of us, it's like we know who our sibling is. We, we know their heart. We know their intention. So I believe that even if someone is defending the narcissistic parent, they can hear you because they know they, they feel you in their heart they know where you're coming from um i think things that facilitate healing in a sibling relationship is definitely time and space from the narcissistic dynamic it's very hard if someone is still entrenched in the dynamic to kind of get their mind clear. So the more time each of you has, and the more space like geographical space or locational space, the better you can function. Um, I think getting people getting their own psychological support also facilitates healing. So, you know, you getting your own therapy if your sibling pursues therapy, but it's not necessary. I've seen a lot of family members try to get other family members into therapy. And it's really, if someone wants to do that, you know, therapy isn't the answer for everyone. And I want to honor everyone's own healing path. Um, You can also use a therapist or a mediator or, or a coach to, to help you with the conversation. I think that's also something that could facilitate change. And also practicing holding on to yourself, no matter what your sibling does, like no matter how triggered you might feel by something they say, just taking care of yourself and and showing up as your best in self in the relationship. Mm, yeah.
0: Thank yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Then what do you think, what are some factors that may indicate that the relationship with the sibling cannot be repaired? I,
1: um, so any type of aggressive behavior, so physical violence, verbal or emotional abuse, threatening, um, yelling, those those kinds of behaviors indicate this is a no-go right now. You can't have these kinds of conversations in a situation that is abusive. Um, So a period of no contact might help if that's happening in your relationship with your sibling. I know some people make the choice to permanently end their relationship with family members. And I honor everyone's individual choice to do that. Um, Sometimes that is necessary because the effects of the abusive behavior, when we're becoming regressed over and over and over, it really impacts our ability to show up and to be able to work, to be in relationships ourselves, to be in right relationship, you know, with our own person, um, to take care of ourselves. So. I think in this. Situation where it's the relationship, it's feeling like it cannot be repaired, seeking help and seeking support, and figuring out too sometimes exiting an abusive dynamic is dangerous. So, you want to have support and a plan of how you're going to do that.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode, and maybe you are going to listen to it a couple more times if you are planning on using Amanda's advice, which I hope you do. Before I let you go, I would like to invite you to join our free community. My team and I send out free courses and healing exercises every week. To join, please click the link in the podcast notes or visit unfiltered.net slash community. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll catch you in the next one.